it's dinner time at Hawes Primary School opposite, over the road. There's the bell tower, there are the high Victorian windows, and all around are the fells. But there aren't nearly so many voices making themselves heard in the yard. Only 24 key worker children can attend school at the moment, less than a third of the total, owing to the coronavirus epidemic. Some children are still locked down, like our Reggie here, sat next to me on the bench, eating chips. Say hello. Hello. Although in just three days' time, on Monday, you'll be back and I'll be asking you about that later. But first, let's hear some other voices from the Dales schools. We're facing Stagsfell. If you were to go over that, down into Swaledale and into Gunnerside and travel back in time, about 70 years, you might see John Waggett and friends playing football. Let's start with a tale from him about balls and mischief, which he told last year to oral history interviewer Emily Rowe Rawlance. Worst thing we ever did was two of us. We put uh, on bonfire night, uh, we put a cooked chicken down a chimney. Alive. Alive. <laughs> it came out all right at bottom as well. There was two women that used to go with all our balls from school, garden was, and that. If they went over into that into their garden, and there was quite a high wall, but you know, it went over. And every time when we were out playing, these two old women were waiting for them. And if we, they went in, we never got them back. Like how it, mean! And, and they said after they died, they were absolutely cupboards full of balls, and that. And so we. Uh, we well, I went and got cocktail out of somebody's handcuff, and then another lad climbed onto the roof, which it was very low to get onto, and then we put it down like down the chimney. chimney. Of the it came out and it was all right at the bottom. <laughs> a roast chicken? No, it wasn't roast at all. Burnt. They 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 opened the door and it came out, and then it might have some sort of feet like. <laughs> And policemen knew who he uh, who to blame, but he couldn't prove it. And one of them was policeman's like. When people are asked for their memories of school life, teachers' names come up. Here in Hawes, that name is often Mary Burrow. Born in 1905 in Hawes, she attended this school before becoming a pupil teacher at the leaving age of 14. Once fully qualified, she worked in a school near Middlesbrough, but soon she was back at Hawes where she taught until retirement in 1966. Last year, I asked my grandmother, Joan Fawcett, a horse school pupil in the 1940s, if she could bring her to mind. Yes, I can remember being in a class with uh, Miss Burroughs, definitely. She seemed to have been there a long, long time when I started, but uh, she always used to sit at her desk when she was teaching us or asking questions and she used to curl her hair a little bit of her hair and she had a curl and she had this habit of curling her hair with her finger. In 2001, when she was 96 and still living in the house she grew up in, Mary Burrow gave an oral history interview to Lynn Fox. What was it like teaching at Hawes School? Well, it was hard work. Uh, the first class I had I had when I came back to Hawes was a class of about 48 and uh, some of them were very naughty. I got the scholar, what was called the scholarship class which was very, very worrying because if the children didn't pass a scholarship the teacher got the blame 
And after that, I, t I taught juniors, and I had a, re a really lovely class. Mm. And were you in control of what you did? Pardon? Did you, as the teacher, were you? Could you just decide what you were going to teach, or did was, or did someone say, "Well, this is what you've got to do"? No, we more or less decided ourselves. And we we had a plan at the beginning of the term, of what we were going to do. Which are uh, nature study, history, geography, and of course arithmetic and reading and writing. I taught them poetry and read them. Read, we always had a half an hour at the end reading a, a book, and they liked that. And uh, there was always a, a season for various games a season for hopscotch, one for skipping, one for hoops. We always, I don't know how we knew when we had to change, but we did. Miss mm. Burroughs' love of reading to the children and her habit of hair curling, as remembered by Joan Fawcett, come together in a poem by Margaret Rule. She grew up in Hawes and now lives in Darlington. She was happy for someone to read her poem, so I asked my daughter, Krista, a current pupil at Hawes School, to give it a go. Chalk and Curls by Margaret Rule. She sits on the edge of the desk, feet on the seat neatly together, right hand holding wind in the willows, left hand twirling ringlets of hair, eyes lifting to search for an out of place move, sun shining through windows set high in the stone, all twenty faces immersed in a story of riverside doings and animals' homes. Snap closes the book. Welcome back to reality, six times seven in the capital of France, while the right hand moves board chalk and the left hand moves rapidly round black curls that dance. Just as Mary Burrow was finishing her long school career here in Hawes, another Dales woman, eight or nine miles down the road in the village of West Burton, was starting out on the same path. Farmer's daughter, Sally Stone, was a pupil at tiny West Burton Primary School in the early 1960s, before becoming a teacher there and then head teacher. She said music was a big part of her formative years. Mrs Benson was obviously a key figure because she was probably there for most of my time until perhaps the past two terms. She taught us to play the recorder using numbers. Not three five five, not three five five, for example, is Darby Kelly instead of using the proper names. Which started a lifelong love of playing the recorder because as a teacher I taught everybody to play the recorder. Um, lots of people decry it, but it really is a good start for learning notation. Sally Stone had only one other child in her class, not untypical for a Dales Village school of that period. In the interview last year, she reflected on the impact that that had had on her. There can only have been 20-some children there. It's difficult just to work out, but just looking at the photographs. But uh, I do remember working a lot on my own when I was in what now would be year six because there was only me and one boy. How do you think that shaped you um, going on in life? I think it was a long time before I gained confidence. I was very shy. I didn't know how to do things. I didn't ask questions and... In those days, he sat the 11-plus, and I was lucky enough to pass. Um, but I remember when I went up to Yobbridge, it, it was, which is now Ascot Primary School, it seemed massive, but there were actually only around 150 students in the school. But I was terrified, and I hadn't had the experience of social interaction 
because there simply weren't enough of us. And that's why I feel strongly these days about there needs to be a certain number. This is a very current debate, not just in the Dales, but across rural North Yorkshire. How low can the pupil roll go before you have to shut? Ark and Garthdale School, nearly 20 miles from here in Hawes, was the last one to close in 2019, after 360 years. We'll meet a former teacher in a minute. But school closures, as a story in the Dales, started 100 years ago, as the number of children living in the area began to decline. Lund School, Whittle School, Hardra School, Stalling Bus School, all four within a few miles of Hawes, closed in the last century. Norman Guy, over in Muka in Swaledale, remembered last year when that village's school closed. His son was one of the pupils. It closed in... Alan was nine. It's 1979. There was Andrew and Stephen, Philip and his sister. Anyway, there was five of them. That was what it got down to before they closed it. Did the village feel different without a school? To me, it did. I was a bit sad, actually, because you couldn't hear the kids, you know. I mean, now we only have one one child in the village now, and he's at Richmond School now, so we never see much of him. But it did, it seemed to, you know, at playtime you couldn't hear kids running around or lunchtime, and... It seemed to be the beginning of the end to me for for a village. And same as Keld would feel the same when they didn't have the kids running around. It just seems as if part of the life's been taken out of the village. You can't expect them to keep it on with five, only five children. There's also something... Um proud about having your own school isn't there as a village would you say yeah, some of these buildings are very proud buildings aren't they uh, it made it like it made it when we were little every village was its own pod is that the right word it had its own shops its own pub its own school and its own church we had a church and a chapel and everything every village was like that and they, they were an entity in their own right and uh, now there's no, we, we struggle to keep a shop. And I mean, it's nothing to do with the shop. It's just the way life's gone. We're, we're very fortunate. We still have a pub in the village. So what was the atmosphere like at these now closed village schools? From Muka, let's nip along Swaledale and turn north up Arkengarthdale for a pithy answer. Enid Lundberg taught at Arkengarthdale School from 1975. In lots of places, you wouldn't get an older boy helping a little girl. Well, here it was just, it was just a big family. It was just all together. I didn't have to ask. They would see that another one wanted to sit, and they would just help each other. It was absolutely wonderful atmosphere. That's why I stayed for 25 years. <laughs> for most of those 25 years, Enid Lundberg was able to enjoy one of Arkengarthdale's special features: its toilet. It didn't have a bog in an outhouse, no. It had a loo with a constant natural flush, a Roman toilet. The stream went through the, the, quite a fast-flowing, a small stream, but a fast-flowing small stream. And the toilet block was built over the stream. And the old-fashioned loo, you, you, the seat, it sat on the thing and the water just flushed permanently underneath. 
It sounds fantastic. It was absolutely wonderful, but then, of course, the powers of B came and said, oh, I couldn't have this, it was going down into the river. But I mean, it worked. It worked for years. Mm. Mm. Automatic flush. Ecological. Oh, yes, yes. At Arkengarthdale, as at other Dale schools, boys and girls were treated in the same way, but it appears there was one subject that boys got to know that girls didn't, sex education. Let's come back down Arkengarthdale and stop at Reith in Swaledale. It's where Farmer's daughter, Barbara Buckingham, went to school in 1936. She said while neither boys nor girls got sex education at school, boys received it at home on the farms while girls were kept entirely in the dark. We knew nothing about where, uh, how calves were conceived or anything like that. We were told, uh, Daddy's taking a cow, a cow for a walk today, and that was it. And But a little boy said uh, he was peeping over the wall and he saw what happened with the bull and the cow and so on. And he said, that cow will have a cow, a calf in, uh, in time. <laughs> you know, he could know, but we couldn't. But were you aware anyway, or were you literally no, in the dark? In the dark, very much in the dark, yes. You go around with him after uh, lambing in the fields, and there would be the placenta on the ground, but nobody would tell you what that was. And did you ever want, did you ever ask, or were, no. you, were you kind of aware that it was something you ought not to ask about? Yes. Ah, that's interesting. Mm, yes. Because yeah. now we quite um, openly call it sex education, don't we? Oh, yes. And that, that happens in year five and six. And yes. by then, most children are probably told by their parents. Yes, um, and they have all the terminology. Yeah. But not, no, 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 no. So no. did that come as a more formal education for you later, or did it just come almost by hearsay? It came by hearsay, yes. Mm. Mm. None whatsoever in, in school or from my parents. None whatsoever. Yeah. That interview with Barbara Buckingham sets me up for this closing story. I was speaking to an elderly Dales person last year and they said they'd got the cane only once in their school career. Whatever did you get the cane for? I asked. Well, this person said, they all egged me on and I was only young. They said, ask him. Go on, ask him, ask him. So, what I had to ask this boy on the other side of the class was, what's the tail called under the bull's tummy? Hmm. What's the tail called under the bull's tummy, if you get it? So she sent the note, but the teacher wanted to see it, and it was for that reason that she got the cane. I guess that's what you might call cruel Dale schoolboy humour at work. Next time, more Voices from the Dale Schools. Thank you for listening.